We love our pets, but when the floor is covered in fur, that's harder to love. Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has powerful 8,000 PA suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass. Plus, the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Hi everyone, my name is Kevin. I'm 16 and I love baseball, going out with friends, movies, oh yeah, and I also talk a lot. Maybe a big mouth is just my curse. I've never known when to shut up, but when I finally learned, I realized that silence costs money. Well, first things first. As I said, I talk too much. At school, not only did I talk about what was happening in our family and about myself, but I also told everyone everything I know about my friends, who likes who, who did what, and much more. Of course, my family didn't like that I was spreading all my household secrets, just as my friends didn't like that I was spreading everything I knew about them. My family had no choice but to put up with me, but my friends didn't have the same problem. Pretty soon, I was alone. I couldn't get new friends either, because no one wants to be gossiped about, and I could start gossip in a heartbeat with all my chatter. I had to get by in a school where everyone hated me for my big mouth. I have to admit that it was difficult. So I was happy to hear the news from my dad that he got a new position in another state and we were moving soon. As usual, I wanted to tell everyone, but my dad asked me not to tell anyone. It was very difficult for me to keep quiet, but I couldn't let him down. And also, when I thought about it, I realized that this would be my second chance to make friends in a new school. If I wanted a real shot, I would have to learn to keep some things to myself. Within a week, we moved to a new house, which, by the way, was just gorgeous. That same morning, as much as I would have preferred they didn't, they sent me to school. At lunch, one guy sat down with me. His name was Billy. He held out his hand to me, introduced himself, and began to tell me about himself. Oh, I wanted to tell him everything. How we moved here, where my father worked, about our amazing house, but I tried to restrain myself because if I start gossiping, I won't stop. To Billy, I must have seemed pretty quiet, because all he found out about me from the conversation was my name and the name of my favorite baseball player, but me being quiet didn't stop us from becoming friends. Billy and I spent a lot of time together, but I never told him everything I wanted to. It seems like me being quiet just made him feel like I was trustworthy. He told me that he liked a girl from our class, Judy, but he asked me to keep quiet about it. Why did you do this, Billy? When I found this out, I wanted to tell everyone. When I was in class, I sat there, bright red, because I had information that would be big news. But instead, I stayed quiet because I was very afraid that I would lose a friend and everyone would start hating me again. Billy's secret was literally eating me from the inside. I took an empty notebook and wrote it down. I thought that it would be easier for me. And it became a little easier, but not much. Unable to contain myself any longer, I ran to Billy. Billy was surprised to see me at such a late hour. He was even more surprised to find out that I wasn't a quiet person by nature, but was just holding back so I didn't start spreading rumors about other people. Billy, to my surprise, understood, and most importantly, he realized why I was so quiet. He didn't stop being friends with me either, which really surprised me. 
He even helped me figure out how to keep a secret more effectively. Billy took a $5 bill out of his pocket and handed it to me. He explained that if he pays me to keep the secret, then it would be easier for me because it would be like a job. So I became the keeper of secrets. To be honest, the payment for keeping the secret helped me a lot, and I did my job responsibly. Until one day, Billy came up to me, upset, and said that I didn't have to keep his secret anymore. He had told Judy everything, and Judy, to put it mildly, turned him down. Poor Billy. The next day after school, Judy came up to me. She just sat me down on a bench, handed me $20, and started talking. It turned out that Billy told her about me, and Judy really needed to talk to someone who knew how to keep quiet. She thought I was the best option. We sat on the bench for about two hours. The whole time, I listened to her as she talked about secrets she was keeping from her friends and family. Some were very interesting. I had a pretty nice conversation with her, and I even thought we had become friends. But at the end of our conversation, she just shook my hand like I was some kind of therapist and left. When I got home, I was already thinking how strange it all was. I reopened my notebook of secrets and wrote it down. All of Judy's most interesting secrets. I got so carried away with writing that I went to bed with no homework done. Soon, rumors about me spread throughout the class. In the cafeteria, a couple more guys came to me at lunch, handed me money, and immediately told me their stories. It was wild. I just ate and listened to someone tell me in secret who he was in love with or how he did something very bad and was afraid someone would find out and he would be punished. Many different secrets, mostly harmless, but there were scary ones too. In order not to forget any interesting secrets, I began to carry my notebook with me to school, where I wrote down all the interesting things I found out. There were so many people willing to share secrets that I had to make a schedule to communicate with everyone. I literally had dirt on all of my classmates. I didn't even think about the consequences if the notebook fell into the wrong hands. All I was thinking about was my bank filling up with money and what I would spend it on. Actually, that's a lie. I would like to say that I only thought about that, but at night, I couldn't sleep for a long time. I would stare at the ceiling thinking about my classmates' secrets, how Sam bullied little kids or how Jen stole money from her mother's wallet. There were also very terrible secrets about family situations or other personal moments, the kind I didn't write down in the notebook, but simply kept in my head. Those secrets were the kind that kept me from getting to sleep at night. Soon, kids from all over the school began to come to me and the job of keeping secrets began to turn into a kind of nightmare. I couldn't do it anymore. I went to Billy to tell my secret this time. I handed Billy a $5 bill. That was my standard rate for keeping a secret, but Billy refused to take it, saying that friends shouldn't have secrets. I was so happy to realize that there was a person in my life who was ready to listen to me just because we were friends, and I told him how I felt. At home, I wanted to write everything I had told Billy down in the notebook. I thought it would be easier for me. I opened up my bag to get out my notebook of secrets, but it wasn't there. After checking the whole room again, I finally remembered that I had been writing down the secrets of another client in the classroom. I must have left it there. If someone read it, everybody's dirtiest secrets would come out. In the morning, I asked my dad to drop me off at school early. But the highway was under construction that day, and we got stuck in a traffic jam. I hoped that nobody would pay attention to my notebook. But how wrong I was.
Once at school, I immediately rushed to my class. I saw Billy standing and laughing while watching our classmates fight over the notebook. Some of them had already read a couple of secrets from the notebook out loud and were now fighting for the right to possess this almighty artifact. In one leap, I burst into the circle of my classmates and snatched the notebook out of their hands. At that same moment, I lifted the notebook above me and tore it into small pieces. That was it. Enough. No more secrets. Everyone started yelling at me, especially the people whose secrets had gotten out. They were right to be upset with me because I didn't keep up to my end of the bargain. So I gave them back twice the amount they paid me. They seemed happy enough with that and so was I. After all, I finally realized how important it was to keep my mouth shut, made a friend, and of course, I made good money. My name is Alexei, and I come from a family of Russian oligarchs. Wealth has always been a part of my life, but I never really felt like I belonged in that world. I remember the time my father offered me a pet tiger for my birthday. Even then, I knew it wasn't for me. So, I decided to leave that life behind and go undercover, blending into society as a poor man. I found a modest apartment in the city and landed a job at a company that, unbeknownst to everyone, was actually owned by my family. I kept my true identity shrouded in secrecy, a ticking time bomb waiting to explode. I worked under David, my boss, who constantly disrespected me. Every slight he threw my way only fueled my determination to keep my secret, biding my time for the perfect moment to reveal the truth. Little did he know who he was truly dealing with or the sheer magnitude of the surprise that awaited him. One day, David decided to break me in front of everyone. Alexei, your incompetence never ceases to amaze me. Do you have any idea how much your mistakes cost this company? I rolled my eyes, deciding to clap back with some wit. You know, David, they say great leaders inspire greatness in others, but all you seem to inspire is a headache. David's face turned red with anger. You insolent little, watch your tongue you'll be out of a job before you can say unemployment. I smirked, feeling the suspense build up. Well, if I'm so terrible at my job, David, why don't you tell me exactly how to improve? Or is it that you're too busy driving that shiny Lambo of yours to bother with us lowly employees? He clenched his jaw, struggling to find a retort. You, you just wait, Alexei. One of these days you'll learn the hard way that you can't talk to your superior like that! Oh, I can't wait for that day, David. I replied with a grin, fully aware of the dramatic irony in our conversation. Little did he know that the power dynamic would soon shift in my favor. David's face turned red, but before he could respond, Natasha walked into the room. As Natasha, a breathtaking woman exuding sophistication, sauntered into the office, her presence was like a magnet instantly grabbing my attention. I found myself captivated by her beauty, yet I couldn't shake the underlying feeling of arrogance and materialism that clung to her aura. It was a dangerous combination, but the enigma that surrounded her had me hopelessly intrigued, ensnaring me in a web of suspense and attraction. As she walked by my desk, I gathered my courage and decided to strike up a conversation. Excuse me, I said trying to sound as suave as possible. I don't think we've met before. I'm Alexei. She arched an eyebrow and looked me up and down, her gaze assessing me like a priceless artifact. Natasha, she replied with a cool, detached tone. So, Alexei, 
What brings you to this mundane world of nine-to-fine drudgery? I grinned, embracing the challenger question presented. Ah, well, Natasha, sometimes you have to experience the ordinary to truly appreciate the extraordinary, don't you think? She smirked, clearly intrigued by my response. Interesting perspective. You're not like the others here, are you, Alexei? I leaned in, lowering my voice to a conspirational whisper. Maybe I'm not, Natasha, but that's for you to discover, isn't it? As our conversation continued, the electricity between us was palpable, making the air around us crackle with anticipation. The meeting of our two worlds promised an adventure neither of us could have ever imagined. Over the next few months, Natasha and I grew closer, and I slowly fell in love with her, despite her materialistic tendencies. One day, I decided to take a leap of faith and propose to her with my grandmother's ring, an exquisite piece worth millions of dollars. As I got down on one knee, I presented the ring to Natasha, whose eyes widened in disbelief. Alexei, is this some kind of joke? She scoffed, inspecting the ring with a look of disgust. This looks so cheap. How could you think I'd accept such a pathetic proposal? I was taken aback by her reaction, my heart sinking with disappointment. I tried to speak up, but she cut me off. You're nothing, Alexei. You can't give me the life I deserve. And now that I think about it, I'm leaving you. For David, the words hit me like a ton of bricks. David, my arrogant, condescending boss. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. But before I could process the situation, Natasha tossed the precious ring away. A cruel dismissal of our love. Crushed and betrayed, I knew it was time to return to my true identity and give Natasha the taste of the high life she so desperately craved. I sought solace in my family's luxurious yacht, moored in the city's marina. The next day, as I was leaving the yacht with a group of influential business people, I spotted Natasha and David approaching in his Lamborghini. The sight of me surrounded by wealth and power instantly piqued Natasha's interest, and she rushed over, interrupting our conversation. Alexei, I had no idea you were, well, who you really are, she stammered, her eyes wide with shock and regret. I was so wrong about you. Could you ever forgive me? I smirked, feeling the suspense of the moment. Oh, I'll take you back, Natasha but be prepared for the wildest ride of your life. And so began my plan to teach Natasha a lesson about valuing people for who they are, not their wealth. Little did she know the roller coaster of emotions and experiences that awaited her. Every single day, I planned a new, over-the-top event, immersing her in the madness of wealth and excess. Our first stop was a lavish gala held in a beautiful mansion, the event dripping with opulence. As we walked around through the grand entrance, Natasha's eyes sparkled, taking in the breathtaking surroundings. I never knew such a world existed, Alexei, she admitted, awestruck. I smirked, already sensing her discomfort. Oh, Natasha, this is only the beginning, I teased, leading her to the dance floor where we waltzed the night away. As the days went by, the extravagance only increased. From exclusive fashion shows to attending private concerts with world-famous musicians, I was determined to push Natasha to her limits. She began to struggle with the constant onslaught of luxurious experiences, the superficiality of it all becoming more evident. 
With every passing day, the pressure mounted. Natasha's eyes widened as she attended yet another opulent event or boarded another private jet. Alexei, I feel so out of place here, she whispered, her voice wavering. I leaned in, my voice low and deliberate. But, Natasha, isn't this the life you always wanted? Surrounded by wealth and luxury, day by day, I could see her growing more and more exhausted with the constant whirlwind of extravagance. The constant barrage of luxury was taking its toll on her, pushing her to the breaking point. Finally, one night as we stood on the deck of my family's yacht, I could see that Natasha had reached her limit. The once alluring world of the ultra-rich had become a suffocating, hollow existence, and she could no longer bear it. As her eyes filled with tears, I revealed the truth about the ring she had so carelessly discarded. That ring, Natasha, was worth millions. Your inability to see its true value only proves how blinded you were by wealth and status. Natasha's voice trembled as she spoke. I'm so sorry, Alexei. I didn't know. I didn't understand. I sighed, the suspense hanging heavy in the air, knowing that the time had come to confront her. Natasha, do you realize why I did all of this? I asked, my voice laced with emotion. She looked at me, her eyes filled with confusion. What do you mean, Alexei? I took a deep breath, ready to reveal the truth. I wanted to teach you the importance of valuing people for who they are, not their wealth. All the luxuries, the extravagance, it was all a lesson. A tense silence settled between us as the reality of my words sank in. Slowly, Natasha began to understand the lesson I had been trying to teach her. Finally saw the superficiality of the ultra-wealthy lifestyle and how it had distorted her priorities. Tears welled up in her eyes as she reached for my hand. Alexei, I, I never realized how wrong I was. I can't believe you went through all of this just to teach me a lesson. I nodded, my eyes locked on hers. I did it because I love you, Natasha, and I believe you can change. As Natasha's perspective shifted over time, she began to appreciate the simpler things in life cherishing the love and personal growth that came with it. Together, we realized that wealth and status were not the keys to happiness, and we decided to leave that world behind. But life had other plans. Enter Anastasia, the daughter of another wealthy family, who was determined to win my heart. She constantly tried to impress me with her lavish lifestyle and endless resources, attempting to lure me back into the world I had left behind. The tension between Natasha and Anastasia grew as they both competed for my affection. One evening, at a charity event, the rivalry between them reached its climax. Anastasia approached me, her eyes glittering with determination. Alexei, you belong in our world, not with someone like Natasha. She'll never understand you like I do. I raised an eyebrow, intrigued by her audacity. Really, Anastasia? And what makes you think you understand me so well? But before I could get a response, Natasha stepped forward, her face a mix of anger and hurt. Alexei doesn't need your world, Anastasia. He's seen the emptiness it brings, and so have I. Anastasia scoffed, her eyes narrowing. You're just afraid of losing him, Natasha. But you can't compete with me. I can give him everything you can't. Natasha stood her ground, her eyes locked on Anastasia. It's not about what you can give him, it's about who you are. 
Alexei isn't swayed by material things anymore. The air was thick with suspense as I looked between the two women, knowing I had to make a choice. I took Natasha's hand, facing Anastasia with a resolute expression. Anastasia, your world has nothing to offer me. Natasha and I have found happiness in each other, not in material possessions. Anastasia's face fell, and she stormed off, leaving us alone. Natasha looked up at me, her eyes filled with gratitude and love. Thank you, Alexei. I'm so glad we've learned the true value of life together. As the weeks went by, Natasha and I continued to grow closer, embracing our new life together. One day, while we were packing our belongings to move to a more modest home, Natasha stumbled upon something that took her breath away. The ring she had once thrown away in a fit of arrogance and misunderstanding. Her eyes welled with tears as she picked up the exquisite piece, now understanding its true value. Alexei, she whispered, her voice filled with emotion. I found the ring, the one you proposed with. I can't believe it's been here all along. I walked over, a tender smile on my face, and took the ring from her trembling hand. It's never too late, Natasha. I said softly, taking her hand in mine. Will you marry me? Not for the wealth or the status, but for the love we found together. Natasha nodded, tears streaming down her cheeks. Yes, Alexei, yes, I will. I gently slid the ring onto her finger, and we embraced, our hearts overflowing with love and gratitude. Together, we faced our future with renewed determination, ready to leave behind the world of wealth and embrace the true, authentic life that awaited us. Hand in hand, we walked away from our past, ready to embark on a new journey. Our story, full of suspense and twists, came to a close with a powerful message about the importance of humility, love, and personal growth. Lessons we would carry with us for the rest of our lives. My name's Sam. I met Elise in middle school. She was our neighbor, and I'd always had a crush on her. I just never got the courage up to say hi. That day, a group of boys were picking on me, and Elise swooped in to save the day. One moment, they had me by my collar, and the next, they were crying on the floor, snot dripping down their noses. Elise was my hero. She got told off by our principal, and they had her parents come in. I could tell they were very mad at her, but that was the beginning of our friendship. Elise and I spent every day together, and then, one day, I asked her to be my girlfriend. She said yes. It was the happiest day in my life. But I didn't realize someone else liked her. It was one of the boys who was tormenting me. And in his jealousy, he told everyone he saw us kissing. That made Elise's parents very mad. So mad that they had a fight with my parents. They ended up moving, and I never even got to say goodbye to my childhood sweetheart. One day, she was there. The next... Her whole house was empty. Many years passed and I forgot about her. I poured my soul into my work until I struck gold. Pretty much literally. I was working on my grandpa's farm when I noticed some gold nuggets in the river. I followed it all the way to a hidden cave and saw that the cave wall had collapsed and the ground had cracked exposing the gold there. A spring of water was gushing out, creating a stream that carried the loose gold all the way down the river. I became a billionaire overnight. My family enjoyed life like we never did before. 
We bought all the surrounding land around the farm and built a mansion. I built a mining company, and I bought cars, a boat, and my own jet. Three years later, my best friend came home from a job abroad with someone in tow. It was Elise. She had grown even more beautiful than before. We were so happy to see each other, we hugged immediately. I was coming home to meet you, and guess who I bumped into on the plane? I never even suspected something was off. Elise and I began dating again. We did everything together. I promised her the world. And before long, we were engaged. Jay started working for my company. I was so thankful to him I made him my right-hand man. I couldn't thank him enough for reuniting me and Elise. Two months later, I proposed to Elise, and she said yes. I was going to marry her in Switzerland. I booked an entire ski resort for our guests, and I wasted no time. We flew on my private jet with my best man Jay and our closest friends. In the middle of the flight, Elise excused herself. She said she needed to do her makeup. Five minutes later, Jay too stood up. I found that weird, but I ignored it. When 20 minutes had passed and Elise hadn't gone back yet, I asked our flight attendant to check on her. She smiled at me, and she blushed. I always found it so cute how she had a crush on me. Nicole went behind the curtain to check on Elise. She was about to knock on the bathroom door when she yelped in surprise. Elise wasn't in the bathroom at all. She was hiding right next to the fridges, talking with Jay. Oh, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'll get out of your way. We heard a click, and two voices came on the speakers. You know I've never loved anyone but you. I'm just... You know, securing our future. Once I marry Sam, we'll be set for life. I'll run away with his money and his jewels, and then we can disappear to any country you want. You promise? I promise, baby. I'm only marrying him for a show. I'll trick him into signing divorce papers as soon as I've got everything I can get from him. I believe you. Oh, I can't wait. And when you're free of him, I can finally make my move to take over his company, too. I have people who are loyal to me now. All right, I'll come knock at your door tonight. When he's asleep, we can go on a date under the moonlight so no one will know. I'll be expecting you. Oh, and act like we had an argument when you go out. I'll follow after a minute, so it's not too obvious. But nothing was secret about their conversation at all. The flight attendant overheard what they were talking about, and she decided she wasn't just going to smile and pretend like nothing was happening. So, she politely excused herself and very cunningly left the intercom on. I heard everything she was saying. The whole plane did. The air suddenly felt tense. Where before my friends and I were laughing and having fun, the moment Jay appeared from behind those curtains, everyone was silent. My friends all glared at him. And when Elise appeared behind him, she knew immediately something was wrong. But she tried to play it cool. Oh! Jay, I didn't even see you there. Why are you standing in the middle of the aisle? And... Why is everyone staring? I pushed the button on my seat and the flight attendant came to me. I smiled at her. You can come sit here, Nicole. The flight attendant looked surprised at first, but she eventually sat beside me. 
She was even more beautiful up close, and her blonde hair smelled like lavender. Could you confirm, please, Nicole, that these were the two having that conversation we just heard? Nicole nodded. Conversation? What conversation? What are you talking about? There's no need to pretend. We heard you. We all heard you. Elise's face changed from being innocent to angry. Okay, so what? Did you honestly think I'd ever fall for you? Look at you. Now look at me. You're nothing compared to me. All you're good for is money. I've been with your best friend ever since before we reunited. In fact, he was the one who told me you were rich now. It's not like you can do anything about it. You are going to fall, and you're going to fall hard. I'm just here to take what I can get before you're a homeless beggar in the streets. I just smiled. I gestured to Nicole to help me with something. Nicole, love, would you be so kind as to fetch Elise her... Uh, I mouthed the word parachute. Nicole was confused, but she nodded anyway and disappeared behind the curtain. Get me a what? I don't need anything. Honestly, just get over it already. You're toast. Elise tried to sit next to me, but I pushed her away, to the other end of the seats. What? You can't seriously be mad at me. You should be thanking me. It's a privilege you get to marry me. I laughed. There won't be a wedding, Elise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please. You're joking, right? You're gonna dump me? Me? Oh, I'm not just dumping you. I'm throwing you out of the plane. Fuel is very expensive, you see. And I just can't stand to have you waste any more of my time and money. So, I'm afraid this is your stop. Nicole appeared with the parachute. Jay looked scared. I looked at him and told him to put the chute on his girlfriend. He didn't want to, but I told him that if he wanted to keep his job and reputation, he should do everything I said. Just like that, Jay turned on Elise. He strapped the parachute on her as if his life depended on it. Elise resisted. But what could she do? No one in that plane wanted her there anymore. You're gonna regret this! Nobody's ever gonna want to date you! You think any girl would want you? Just you wait! You'll come crawling back to me! I don't think so. I took Nicole's hand and asked her if I could kiss her. Suddenly, her eyes lit up and she said yes. I kissed her right in front of Elise's shocked face. Wait! No, wait! I changed my mind! I, I, I do want to marry you! No, no, don't make me get off the plane! We can start over! No, please, don't leave me here! I don't have any money! I won't be able to get home! We're in the middle of nowhere, Sam! Sorry, you've got to go now. No, don't! And as Elise floated away, I called out to her. Who's falling now, Elise? Everyone laughed, and Nicole finally did as well. I knew the moment she started working on that jet that she had a thing for me. I just never really thought of it because I thought I was in love and happily engaged. But now? Now I get to date a much more beautiful girl than that gold digger. She was hardworking, ambitious, and smart, too. The wedding still went through. It was just postponed a few days. Not to Elise, obviously. 
I married Nicole. None of our guests complained. At least, they got to stay three days longer in that ski resort. It took a while to get Nicole's parents and friends flown over since the decision was so spontaneous. But as soon as they did, I asked for their blessing, and Nicole and I got married in the Swiss Alps. After, we spent an entire month traveling Europe. We went to Rome, then Croatia, then Norway. And honestly, I couldn't have wished for a better wife. Nicole was everything I knew she was going to be. She was caring and sweet, and she always made me laugh. The best part of the trip was when we saw a newspaper with Elise's face plastered all over it. Her hair was all sorts of a mess and had leaves and twigs all over. The headlines said that she was a lost tourist who became a meme for telling the most ridiculous story when they found her. The funniest part was that she had stupidly opened her parachute way too early, and the wind carried her hundreds of miles from where we dropped her. She ended up stuck in a tree in a forest in Liechtenstein. The people there thought she was some sort of Russian spy and refused to help her. Nobody wanted to help her get home, and they didn't want to give her a job. Now she's living under a bridge like the troll that she is. I'm Henry, and when I was a little boy, I realized I wanted a different life from what I knew. I was sick of all the rules. Every morning, a maid would wake me up by throwing all the curtains wide open. I needed to be at the breakfast table with my parents at 7.30 on the dot. I would get driven to Eton, and there I'd have a private tutoring session. The only thing I looked forward to at school were my friends. At around lunchtime, we'd eat together, and then I got to join in on our classes for the afternoon. I know some people don't like boarding schools, but I wish my parents would let me board instead of driving every day. I wanted freedom, I guess. A lot of people talk about it like it was some sort of magical thing. I never knew what that was like. My every move has been watched by people my whole life. From the moment I came into this world, the media, the country, the whole world even. I just wanted a normal life. I fantasized about having a normal high school experience, like what you see in those Hollywood movies. So, with the help of my friends, I ran away. They climbed up to my window and busted me out of the palace. Jude drove us to a private hangar and they put a disguise on me. Jude handed a wad of cash to his dad's pilot. I hugged all three of them and said my goodbyes. And just like that, I was in the air and on my way to Los Angeles to live out the life I'd always dreamed of. The first thing I saw when we landed was my face on the front page of every newspaper. Prince goes missing, the headlines said. Lucas arranged the place I would stay at. It was lucky that his family had a mansion there and they rarely visited it. Paul helped me too. He hacked into the U.S. government sites and faked my identity. He sent me a fake ID, a fake passport, and opened a bank account for me to which he transferred my money. He enrolled me into a high school nearby, and that very next Monday, I started my dream life. Everyone was excited about the kid who was transferring in the middle of sophomore year, and I made a bunch of friends. They were all curious about the accent. I got a job at a car wash. I knew I had to sell the idea that I was just a normal kid, and I didn't want anyone suspecting that I was rich. I rode a bike to school and never invited anyone to the house. I joined the rugby team, and that's where I met Damien. I had a bad feeling about him from the moment we met, and that was immediately confirmed when during tryouts he never even needed to play. I just saw his dad talking to the coach and he was immediately accepted. Not only that, he became the captain. The rookie got promoted on his first day. It was unbelievable. 
I started dating a girl who sat behind me in Spanish. Her name was Laura, and I guess, for some reason, Damien considered me his rival. Probably because, even though he was the rugby captain, he was the worst player we had. And I was the best. Yo, introduce me to that girl you're seeing, and I'm gonna bench you the whole season. No, thanks. Find your own girlfriend. <laughs> I don't like her, and I just want to see you squirm. Bugger off, Damien. Or what? What if I tell everyone your little secret, your majesty? It's your royal highness, you ignorant... Wait, what? Oh, yeah, I know all about you. I read the news, and your disguise is awful. Now give me your girl's number, or I'll ruin your little vacation. One phone call, and your family will come scoop you up and take you back to where you belong. I had no choice, and I guess it turned out to be the right move. Because as soon as Laura found out that Damien was rich, she jumped ship like I was the Titanic, and she showed her true colors. I asked her to talk about it, but she dumped me in a text, told me she couldn't meet up because she had a family thing. Come to find out, she was at the same Halloween party as I was that very same night. Only, she had a date. Damien. Unsurprisingly, I was furious. Don't act so surprised, Henry. Did you really think I'd stay with you now that I know Damien wants me? You're literally penniless, an orphan, and you have a weird accent. Nobody really bothered with how I sounded until then. But when Laura said it, everyone laughed. And from that moment on, the kids at school would just chuckle every time I talked. They would imitate me, and they were bad imitations too. They spoke like chavs and not in the same accent as royalty like me would have. But I didn't want to stick out even more than I already did, so I just kept my head down and laughed it off. I wanted to live this life. I wanted the American high school experience that I saw in the movies. But when Damien took it too far, I had no other choice but to reveal who I was. We went to a lake for camp that year, and weird things kept happening. Kids complained that their stuff kept going missing, and it wasn't just small things either. One kid had a laptop stolen, another had her earrings taken from her while she was sleeping. About ten other kids got their phones stolen. Damien, with the help of my ex, spread rumors that I was the one taking the other kid's stuff during summer camp. He's the only poor one here. He works at a car wash. He clearly needs the money. Yeah, Damien's right. I couldn't just let it stand anymore. Why would I need your silly trinkets? I'm literally a prince. <laughs> He's delusional now too. Stop spewing nonsense and give us back what you stole or we'll call the cops. I'm Prince Henry. You have the internet. Google me. Everyone laughed at me and called me loopy. Damien knew the truth, and he just kept lying and lying. I couldn't hold it in anymore. I lunged at him. We tussled and rolled around on the forest floor. You lying scumbag! Tell them! Tell them you know it's true! You cheat, you lie, and you manipulate my girlfriend to be with you, even though you don't even like her! What? Liar! Laura joined in on the scrap. She started pulling me away from Damien, and the crowd was closing in on me, demanding me to cough up their stuff that I didn't have. Enough! I thought I was hearing things. I thought I'd somehow teleported home. But when I looked up, it was really them. Jude, Lucas, and Paul were looking down at me, parting the crowd and reaching down to help me off the ground. How dare you treat a prince like this? Yeah, if we weren't in America, you lot would be charged with treason. What? Why are you here? 
We've got holidays too, mate, and what better way to spend them than to join you on your little adventure? I finally took my disguise off, and everyone gasped. They realized I wasn't lying. For some odd reason, people started bowing. Some curtsied. It was very weird. And at that perfect moment, Damien's bag burst. It must have torn from when we were rolling around in the dirt. And ten phones, a pair of earrings, and a few laptops were spewed everywhere. Even I was shocked. All along, it was him. The parents were called, but after scolding Damien for what he did, they didn't press charges. It was all thanks to his dad. He knelt in front of the parents and begged them not to ruin his son's future. It turns out they weren't rich anymore. The dad had lost all their money in a pyramid scheme, and Damien was determined to keep up appearances so he would regularly steal and shoplift. The moment we heard that, Laura immediately broke up with him and came running back to me. But I rejected her, but she kept showing up at the mansion. One day, she managed to break in and found me, Lucas, Paul, and Jude lounging at the pool with all the popular girls who now wanted to date my friends and me. I... I'm sorry. It's all my fault. I was blinded by his promises, and I thought he was rich. Ah, a gold digger who admits it. Ha <laughs> ha, that's rare. You should defo get back with her. Okay, on one condition. Do everything I tell you. As you can see, this house is huge, and I'm gonna need a maid. Say that again. Your voice is music to my ears. And you said my accent was weird. What? No. No, your accent isn't weird. I love your accent. All right, go fetch me a bottle of water. Chop, chop. She ran faster than I'd ever seen anyone do so. And when she returned, she was carrying a bucket of ice, from which she fished out several brands of the fanciest of bottled waters. I made her clean the house for an entire week. I made her cook me breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I made her walk my dogs, and she did all of that with a smile. But I knew her real motives. She thought she could land a prince and become a duchess. That's all she was after. So, after I'd punished her thoroughly, I locked her out of the mansion. I stationed 20 guards to make sure she never broke in again. I posted photos of her desperately waving at me from outside the gate. She became a laughing stock. The most satisfying thing was having celebrities over and dating a movie star while Laura watched from afar. The life she could have had if she wasn't so obsessed with fame and fortune. I did fall in love during my time in America. She was a simple girl from the country. She grew up on a farm and had no evil ambitions. Her name was Stacy, and when she and her family visited me at Lucas's mansion, I made sure I kissed her as Laura watched, and I saw the hope in her eyes fade as she regretted every decision she made.